0: Welcome to the weekly podcast of Soul Purpose Evangelical Church, located in the city of Middletown, New York. Today's message will be brought to you by our senior pastor, the Reverend Albert Feliciano, Sr. Each week we stream our live recorded services to encourage, build up, and edify our listening audience. Our aim is to share with you the uncompromised, infallible, and impregnable word of the living God. Our prayer is that today's message will draw you closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And now, here's our Pastor Albert with today's word.
1: Praise God. Hey morning, I believe the Lord has given me a word for this house. I'll tell you the truth, the Lord gave me this word about a month ago. I just didn't know when to release the word. But this morning, the word is entitled, I am undone from fault to fate. I am undone from fault to fate. We're going to be reading from Isaiah chapter 6, and we're going to read from verses 1 through verses 8. Amen? If you are able, hallelujah, let's stand for the reading of God's word this morning. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. When you have it, say amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Beginning at verse number one, the word of the Lord says In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face, with two, he covered his feet, and with two, he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone. This has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and whom will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You may take your your seats this morning, saints of God. Praise the Lord. There are millions of people all over the world right now living below their full potential. Many are caught up in ruts and unchanging routines. Many feel like their lives have become barren, that they have nothing to give. There's nothing to release out of them. They try to remain active, and even when they do so, they accomplish very little, if not anything. They feel like as far as they go forward, they take double the steps backwards. What could it be that seems to be missing from the lives of the discontents? Maybe they have never come to terms with the truth of God's Word. Maybe they have never had an encounter with the presence of Almighty God. Maybe they have never experienced what true and total surrender is like. Isaiah chapter 6, we see five of the most powerful words that can ever be uttered by any person on this earth. Five life-changing, life-altering words. Five words of readiness, glory to God. Five words of full preparation, of full commitment, of full assurance. Those words, here am I, send me. These are some serious words with serious implications. That means that whoever utters these words, they are stepping up to the plate. They're saying, Lord, here I am. I'm ready to be used. I want to reach my full potential. I know you have a plan for me. I know you have a great purpose for me. I know that there are souls that need to hear from you. I'm ready, Lord. Send me. I want to reach my destiny. I want to fulfill my purpose. Yet, the fact is, the sad reality is that not many Christians will ever utter those words because deep down real deep down to the bone we know what those words mean. It means total surrender, total life change, total commitment. It means forsaking others. It means selling out to God, abandoning thy own will. It means a denial of self. How about this? A denial sometimes of comfort, of convenience, A denial of safety. You might have to go into places you never thought you would step foot into. How about this? A denial of meals. Yeah, that's part of it. Fasting. And we say, you know what? That's a little too much. Pastor, you're getting a little legalistic on me this morning. You see, we say things to justify our actions. I'm ready to serve God. I want the blessings of God, but I don't really want no true commitment. I really don't want all that other stuff. That's too much for me. Give it to somebody else. Let them do it. Isn't it funny that every church has a member called somebody else? Somebody else is the most popular member in the church. Somebody else, he's the cleaner. He's the one that throws out the trash. Brother, somebody else is the one that evangelizes. Brother, somebody else goes to the hospital to pray over the sick people. Brother, somebody else is the first one at the prayer meeting. Hallelujah. Brother, somebody else is even baking cookies for the building fund. Somebody else will always be there. God wants total surrender, a capitulation, if you will, of your rights, all for the glory of God. And let me tell you, because sometimes we hear these words and you're like, oh, here we go. It's going to be one of those fire and brimstone messages this morning. But I'm telling you, this is not a raw deal. There are benefits, there are privileges, there are great joys by completely selling out to God. Make no mistake, there are rewards. Hallelujah. Not everything is doom and gloom. But the question is, and this is where I want to focus just for a few moments, why is it that more and more Christians are not uttering these words? Here am I. Send me O Lord. I don't have all these talents. I I don't know how to sing. I don't know how to bake. I I don't know. But, But I do know some things. I can do this. I can do that. Send me. Take me, Lord. Whatever I have to offer. Take me. Use me. If it brings you glory, then I'll do it. First of all, we have to start out by seeing God for who he is. Glory to God. Isaiah, he said, I see the Lord. Hallelujah. How many know that Jesus Christ is God? Just in case we don't know that that's a fact. Jesus Christ is Yeshua. He is God. He is the Holy One. He is seated on his throne. He is the King of Kings. He is high and lifted up. The Bible says the train of his robe, it fills the whole temple. Glory to God. The seraphim, it's a great description. They had six wings, two to cover their feet. Two to cover their face and the other two to fly out. And they called out to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. I love what the Bible says that the doorpost shook you know there's a there's a word uh, 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 I believe it's in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy where it said that in the temple uh, of the the temple the tabernacle that when God's presence came in that the tabernacle would stretch and expand and stretch and expand and when the presence of God came in the tent would come in it was the wind of God the breath of God like He was breathing. And here we see the the Lord in his throne room, the post. That means these columns are like, whoa, shaking. That's power. Hallelujah. That's power. That's glory. The whole house was filled with smoke. The light of God's glory filled this place. Just like in Mount Sinai when Moses stood before the Lord. The mountains trembled. There was thunder and lightning. And it filled the air. And the people of Israel were terrified. Isn't it something when God shows up on the scene, terror comes in. Hallelujah. And they began to fear God. And they began to repent. And they say, listen, Moses, we'll listen to you. We'll hear you. Please don't have God speak like that. We're terrified. If you speak, we'll We'll listen. We'll listen. You see, church, Isaiah was living at a time where there was a wicked generation, much like today. People were full of sin, full of violence and sexual immorality and alcoholism and chaos and murder and all those things that we see even now in our own society. And there was a king in Israel... His name was King Uzziah. He was the hope of Israel. He came in as a young boy, 16-year-old young boy. The hope of Israel. And he did many things to follow God as he rose in power. But guess what? We read right at the beginning of this passage when he became a young man. He got a little bit, well, in another passage of Scripture, he got a little bit Prideful, Hallelujah. How many know when pride comes in, things start to change? And that's a message for another day. But I want to just point out one thing. King Uzziah started believing his own hype. He went into the temple and, and wanted to offer up sacrifice and burn incense. But he wasn't the priest. God said, I chose you to be the king. But you're not the priest. The priests do that. He says, you know what? I'm, I'm the man. I'm the man. I could do this. I'm going in and I'm going to offer up sacrifice and light up some incense. I'm, I'm going to make the place nice. And then he wouldn't receive the rebuke of the priest. And he got angry. And what happened? The Bible says leprosy started to form on his forehead. You see, when, when we try to go at it our own way, God says, okay, you want to do things your way? Bam, there you go, kid. And the Bible says that he ultimately had to be banished and he died of leprosy. And so here we are in Isaiah 6. It said, King Uzziah is dead. How many know? Uh, if you want to know 2 Chronicles 26, that's where the story of Uzziah, you could read about it. But here we see King Uzziah, the hope of Israel, he's dead. Sometimes God has to remove some things so that we could turn our hope, our attention back onto him. Sometimes we place all of our hope in politicians. We save uh, 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 all of our space and our time and news and all that other stuff. And nowadays we're not getting no news. Hallelujah. Everything is fake anyway. There's not a man alive. There's not a woman alive that's going to cure the ills of this world. It's only Jesus Christ. But God sometimes has to remove those things that we're clinging on to. So that we could redirect, turn to your neighbor, and say, redirect, hallelujah. Redirect our attention back on to God. Isaiah saw a vision of God in all of his holiness, in all of his majesty, in all of his great splendor. And guess what happened? Something immediately took place. He began to recognize his own humanity. He recognized the purity, the holiness of God, the power of God. And then he looked upon himself and recognized his nakedness. He was spiritually naked. He had been confronted with his own sin. Yes, Isaiah the prophet, the mighty prophet of God who was used to share the word of the Lord. You read Isaiah 1 through 6. He was blasting people. Mighty man of God. And here he's fallen before the presence of God and saying, Woe unto me. I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in a land of people with unclean lips. In other words, he was saying, I'm history. I'm toast. I'm done. You think of this word undone. What is the true meaning of the word undone. The Hebrew word is, is "dama" or doma It means that it's basically, I have sinned. I have sinned before God. And then Isaiah says, I'm in a land with people of unclean lips. Listen, he was in a land where people were talking nonsense all the play all around him. And how many know that when you linger around an environment too long, that stuff starts to cling on to you? Hallelujah. How many know that with your little associations, little boyfriends, little girlfriends, you start picking up traits, picking up little things? If you hang around someone who's always dropping F-bombs, next thing you know, you go to your house and you're like, boop, beep, beep. And everybody says, huh? That's not like you. I've never heard that word come out, ooh, sorry, my bad. My bad, and then uh, five minutes later, boom, another F-bomb. Why, because that association has connected itself. It has attached itself to you. That's why we need to be mindful of the company that we keep. We need to be mindful of the things that we see, the things that we hear, and allow our gates to be covered in a sense. He says, I am in a place full of people with unclean lips and therefore I have my own lips unclean. The Bible says that the tongue is one of the smallest parts of our body, but it is a world of fire. Hallelujah. Who can bridle their own tongue? Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And when you read that verse, it means the hand of the tongue. The actual translation, the hand of the tongue. In other words, the tongue, the Greek word for that, the translation is the hand of the tongue. In other words, it creates. The tongue has the power of life and death. So we got to be careful. I've said this a hundred times. If you've been in this church, you've heard it a hundred. Guess what today you hear it a hundred and one times. Hallelujah, till it sticks. But we say, this headache is killing me. And we wonder why the headache won't go away. My back is killing me. And we wonder why we, don't, we still have a back problem. When we profess words, negative words, then we're giving authority, uh, 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 permission for the enemy to wreak havoc on our life. Oh, I know, I'll never get another job. This job sucks. They hate me here, but I got nowhere else to go. I know I'm not going anywhere. Guess what? You ain't going anywhere. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And we got to start professing life. Maybe this job ain't good right now. But you know what? God has something better for me. God's going to open up the doors for me. My kids are coming back to the Lord. Mark my words. My house will be saved. My children will be set free. My church is going to move into a new building. Hallelujah. We got to start professing the word of the Lord and start believing what we're saying. Hallelujah. James. It says the world, the, the, the tongue is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. We've got to be able to tame the tongue this morning. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, I hope he ain't talking about you. Praise God. Last week, last week we were talking about the presence of God. Many of our sisters were in a, a retreat weekend. Hallelujah. Getting filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. You guys came back glowing in the dark. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I didn't need to see no Star Wars movie, praise God. There was Star Wars in the parking lot, glory to God. But while you were away, we too were seeking out the word of the Lord and we were talking about the presence of God. David, uh, in Psalm 16, David was able to abide in the presence of God because he learned to set the Lord always before him. He learned to trust in God no matter what. He learned to obey God, to surrender to him. David learned that he was mortal, that he was human, and that there was nothing good in him. David said, my goodness is nothing apart from you. David said that in God's presence, there is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. Hallelujah. But I'm going to take it a little bit further this morning. I'll tell you, but wait, there's more. Hallelujah. You know what else is in God's presence? There is a great recognition of our mortality, of our humanity, of our sin. We don't want to talk about it. It's not a fun subject to engage in. But the reality is it's something we all have to deal with. If I don't tell you, I'll be guilty. The Bible says in Ezekiel 33, if I give you a word to share and you don't share it, you are guilty of their blood. I can imagine those that lost their lives yesterday in that heinous shooting. Did they hear the word of the Lord? Was there someone in their circle that that shared the living word of God with them? Did they respond accordingly? Did they receive Christ? Or did they say, you know what? I still got time. I'm not ready for all this Jesus stuff. Baby Christians. They come to Christ initially and many times they they don't even realize what they're doing wrong. You'll hear them say, I I, I didn't realize I did that thing or I I didn't know that was wrong. Or they might say, God understands if I party a little bit on the weekend, he's not going to send me to hell, would he? He can't expect me to change so quickly, right? The reality is when the Holy Spirit starts to work on your heart. You can't enjoy those things of the world anymore. You can't go out anymore and find the enjoyment you used to find when you were living in sin. Because now there's a whole different set of circumstances. You go out and you try to party like you used to. And what used to fulfill you, what used to satisfy you, what used to give you joy and pleasure, now it actually irritates you. It bothers you. It may even make you sick. And you say, why is it? Why can't I have fun? Every one of my friends are having a great time and here I am, miserable. Why? Because you've been blood brought by the blood of Christ. Hallelujah. You belong to Jesus. You'll never be the same again. Never. Never. The Holy Spirit begins to work on your heart. And, and like a doctor, he starts to point out little things that need to change. Little things that need to be surrendered. He'll poke and prod to say, does that hurt? Did that hurt here? Does that bother you? Does that hurt? Yep, that's an area. We got to work on that. That's a little thing that, that I see. I, I got to work that out. We got to give that thing up. Hallelujah. But don't worry, I have something better for you. You see, we've got to enter into a partnership with God. We've got to enter into a partnership with God. When we are in God's presence, truly in his presence, there is never a simple or a vague sense of sin. God's holiness will demand change. It will demand excellence. He says, be holy for I am holy If we see God in his glorious presence and we refuse to change, it's a flawed condition in our character. Our character will determine whether or not truth can even be revealed to us. We can't say, I see the Lord and come out unscathed. We can't say, I see the Lord and come out unchanged. We can't say, I see the Lord, and come out untouched. Initially, we come to Christ with our own perspective, our intellect, our will, our emotions, and even our own preconceived biases. But we're very careful not to go too deep into the things of God, too deep into the realm of the Spirit, because we know what it means. It means we're going to have to change. I said last week uh, to to the people that were with us at church, I said one thing I've learned in my walk with God, and let me tell you, I've been through everything. I've played church. I sold drugs to the youth. We used to get high on the building and go to Sunday school. High. I had no fear of God. I'm not ashamed to say that. I'm saying it to point out my own flaws. You might think this pastor has a great call, great anointing. You don't know the cost. You don't know what I've had to endure, the many mistakes I've had made in my life, the many failures as a father, the many failures as a friend, the many failures as a husband. You don't know how many times I've had to go before my children and say, I need your forgiveness. I'm flawed. I've made mistakes. But for the grace of God, I could stand before you today, hallelujah, and share his holy word. But I was saying last week, the closer... I feel like I I get to God, the closer I feel I connect with God, the farther away I feel. And I know that sounds like an oxymoron statement, but it's not. Because the closer I get to God, the closer I get to his presence. I'm like Isaiah. Woe unto me, I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. I start to recognize my dirt. I start to recognize my faults, my, my flaws. You guys may not see certain things, but I see it. I know it's there. And I've got to surrender it to the cross. Many of us, we see the light of God, but we're careful not to go too deep. We don't want no exposure because light uh, uh, reveals uh, uh, the, the little things. Hallelujah. How many know? I don't know if you had it, but I did. When we were little kids, I didn't know I was poor. I thought everybody had cockroaches in their house. But every time we came home from church and we turned on the lights, cockroaches flying out everywhere, hiding under the toaster oven and everywhere they could find. Because the light exposes things. You can't walk into a room as a child of God and people around you are still dropping F-bombs and talking about perverted jokes and all that. Something is wrong with the light if when you walk in the room, people don't know God's presence is in the room. Even at work, you'll be at the water cooler getting some water on your lunch break. And people are telling dirty jokes and you walk in, they're like, shh. And you're like, my bad, I'm just getting some water. Peace out, have a blessed day, God bless you. Because something happens when the light shines in the darkness, praise God. People can't take the light. Look at what Jesus said in John 3. It said, and this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and the men love darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. Ah, but look at this. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. I'll take it further. James 1. 23:24 says, "If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Let me uh, give you a little illustration. Because people sometimes hear this passage and they don't think it really makes sense. Who can look in a mirror and walk away and forget their reflection? Who can look in a mirror and forget who he was? That doesn't make no sense. Well, guess what, saints of God? We do that every single week. I'm going to prove it to you. How many know that a mirror reveals truth? All right, maybe I'm the only one that sees uh, uh, jelly rolls, hallelujah, when I take a shower, hallelujah. Let's let's get real, hallelujah. Can I keep it real in this place, hallelujah. How many ain't scared this morning? As far as I know, we don't got no models in here, hallelujah, right? Praise God. We all got blemishes. We all have flaws. All you got to do is look at the mirror. The flaws will tell you the truth. This is why people get weaves and people get nails and, and people do all different types of things, right? Guys, we try to hide it. We get girdles. Let's, we get those shirts that, that are like, you got to have like a, 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 a rope or somebody pull a rope to tighten up the belly, right? Because we all want to look better. We want to be perceived as having it all together. But, but there are flaws. God's word is a mirror. The Holy Word of God is a mirror, and God's Word points out our greatest flaws. It shows us the deep down truth, and we look at it, and we stare at it, and then we walk away forgetting what the Word of God was pointing out to us in the very first place. We walk away and do absolutely nothing to change what the Word of God was trying to tell us to change. And then we walk away forgetting what we saw. We do this every week. Let me tell you a true statement. We cannot walk with God and call ourselves Christians and hold hands with the devil. It's either all or nothing. We can't be a Christian on Sunday and then party hardy on, on, on the weekends or on the week. Hallelujah, going and hanging out and doing all these crazy things and and forgetting all about God. It's either all or nothing. Hallelujah. Why not come to the house of God and party in God's house? Glory to God. But let me tell you, once we mature, once we start to experience the move of the Holy Spirit in our heart, once we start to experience the changes, and once we start surrendering ourselves, And we choose to enter in. We're confronted with the painful truth. And we start to see, man, this little thing, it has to stop. This little habit that I have. This little thing that I do on the side when nobody's watching. This little thing that I look at when my wife goes to work. This little thing that I look at on my computer. This little phone number that I got in my little secret phone spot. This little thing. I got to get rid of this thing because it's impeding my progress. It's impeding my relationship with God. How many know that God loves you too much? To leave you the same way that you came to him with. And when we're in God's presence, we discover that God will make some changes in our life. When we come face to face with God, he's going to point out our most direct sin. We're not going to be able to get away with it. Hallelujah. We're not going to be able to get away with it. God will draw... Our attention to it. And once we recognize it, we're going to have to deal with it. And like Isaiah, we're going to say, whoa, unto me I am undone. We're going to have to ask uh, uh, God to throw ourselves at the mercy of his court. And that means the word conviction. We're going to feel so convicted. It's a sure indication that you are in the presence of God when you experience the conviction of the Lord. We heard later that the angels cry, holy, holy, holy. You know why they cry holy? Because God is holy, holy, holy. And guess what? We come in oftentimes dirty, dirty, dirty. That's the truth. We need to be purified. And don't think I'm saying something strange. Even your mom, your your, your dad, uh, with little kids in the house, when they come back from playing football, what do the parents say? Go wash your hands. Go wash your face. Don't come to the dinner table all dirty. You're going to come to the table, wash up before we eat. Amen? Amen? Praise God. We see the glory of God. We come before his presence. Isaiah realized who God was, how unclean and unworthy he was. And many Christians too, we come before the presence of God and we really don't understand how far off we are. There was a great quote that I read this week from a guy named Charles C. Morrison. It says, the church is a society of sinners, the only society in the world in which membership is based upon the single qualification that the candidate shall be unworthy of membership. Hallelujah. You could turn to your neighbor and say, yeah, he's definitely talking about me right now. Hallelujah. Definitely. The best Christians are the ones who are most aware of how unworthy they are. The ones that don't look down on other Christians because they don't see themselves as being high and lifted up. Thank you, brother. That's why Paul said in 1 Timothy 1.5, he says, Jesus Christ came to the world to save sinners of who I am the worst. We must recognize that our sin is here, And we have to deal with it. And in order to deal with it, hallelujah, we have to get before the truth of God. And then the work can begin. Until we're ready to face that evil side of us, until we're ready to face the sin that entangles us, we can't move forward in the things of God. It's just that simple. Many might be sitting here today saying, I wonder why I don't have that anointing, that sister so-and-so, that brother so-and-so. I wonder why things don't work out for me. Every time I pray, something is wrong. Every, you know, what, what's happening is there's still something in that has to be dealt with. The Bible says, repent therefore. That simply means change Come to Christ. Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing will come in the presence of the Lord. I think of the, the bounty commercial. I don't know if you, if you remember bounty. It's the quicker, picker, upper. Hallelujah. They showed a commercial with the kids with spilled milk, and the mother would come out and say, don't worry, and wipe it all down. How many know that God is like the quicker, picker, upper? You come to him with your mess. He said, I got you. Wipe it all down. God will never point out a sin that you're dealing with and then leave you with it. Hallelujah. Look at the beauty of God. As, he, as Isaiah said, I'm a man of unclean lips surrounded by people of unclean lips. He saw himself not like the people saw him. But he saw himself the real deal. He didn't fake it. Hallelujah. Uh, Isaiah experienced an old-fashioned conviction an uh, uh, old-fashioned service. The Bible says that we're, so, we're supposed to examine ourselves and see how we are in our faith. 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourself. See if you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. Listen closely. And I'm trying to get to my close. This is my first close. Hallelujah. Have you excused your sins before God? What I mean by that is, are you living the same way as you did before you came to him? Have you been comparing yourself to others so that your sins would look better? Do you say, well, at least I'm not that bad. This person over here is cheating on their husband. I ain't that bad. I only get my drink on on the weekend. Do we compare our level of sin to each other so we feel better about not doing certain things? The Bible says that we must confess our sin before God and then be made clean. 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let me tell you, you've probably heard this, but... For those that haven't, I'm going to repeat it. I have a little illustration that I use, but it's a really good one. There's a kid that wants to go to the movies. And his father, he looks at him and says, Dad, I I went and checked the the reviews, and apparently this is an R-rated movie. But it only has two F-bombs, and it's got one sex scene, and that's it. The rest of the the movie is perfect. The father says, I got an idea. I tell you what. I'm going to make a little batch of brownies. And if you could eat these brownies and eat them all up, I'll let you go with your friends to the movies tonight. The kid's like, got it. Perfect. The father goes and, yeah, there there are men that know how to bake. I ain't one of those men. Hallelujah. The father goes and bakes, uh, gets the batch together. But before he puts it in the oven, there's one little thing he does. He goes to the backyard and he takes one little poop from the family dog just one a little tiny little piece and he brings it back in and throws it into the batter and shakes it all around and then he goes and puts walnuts on it because that's what I like on my brownies hallelujah and he puts you know powdered sugar hallelujah some whipped cream he bakes it it comes out and it smells delicious and it looks wonderful. It looks appetizing. And here they are, nice and hot and steamy. He puts a little glass of milk, because I like milk, hallelujah. He puts a little glass of milk on the side, and he says, guess what I got for you? All you got to do is finish these brownies. The kid is like, bet, let's go. He goes, wait a minute. One little thing I got to tell you. One little caveat. I have to make a clear distinction so you are aware I took one little piece of poop and I threw it in the batter. But don't worry because it's just a little bit and it's not, you probably won't even taste it. Don't worry. It's all good. But if you could eat this, then go ahead. Go to the movies and have a great time with your friends. The kid looked at him and said, all right, dad, I ain't going nowhere. All right, all right. And he went back into his room. Listen, sin even a little bit of sin. You could dress it up. You could put perfume on it. You could put whipped cream on it. You could put some lipstick and earrings on it. Sin is sin. Nobody's going to deal with it. God don't want to deal with it. It stinks. It is a stench in his nostrils. And even when we think, well, there's only a little bit compared to everybody else. I don't have all that craziness, uh, that baggage. I just got this little thing I'm dealing with. Well, that little thing needs to be surrendered to the cross. Needs to be laid down at the feet of the cross. But I said earlier, God will give his angel charge over thee. God's not going to point something out and then not deal with it. God dealt with the problem immediately. Isaiah said, I'm a man of unclean lips. And once he recognized it, the Bible says that God sent his angel. Gave him charge and took a coal from the altar and touched Isaiah's lip. The very thing that Isaiah said, I've got an issue with this. I'm a man of unclean lips. Immediately that recognition caused an angel of the Lord to pick up the tongue and deal with that sin. He says, your iniquity is taken away. Your sin is purged. Hallelujah, the cleansing fire of God came down and consumed that thing right on the spot. The fire of God was applied. How many know that fire consumes? And God's fire needs to come in and consume everything. There's a verse in Proverbs that says fire is never satisfied. It will burn until there's nothing left to burn. And sometimes the fire of God has to come in and burn some stuff out of his people. We're not like the world. Our final point. Why does God point out our sin? It's a very simple answer. So that we can then come to the place where we could say, Here am I, Lord, send me. How many know that you are God's plan A and there is no plan B? God has chosen you, hallelujah, to do His work, to, to, to spread His word amongst the land. And God has great plans for everybody in this room, great things in store, but there's great work that needs to be done. We need to see. The world, the way God sees the world, hallelujah. There are lost lambs everywhere. There are lost people everywhere. Glory to God, hallelujah. They're going to be lost on this screen, hallelujah, popping up, hallelujah. But the lost people, there they go, praise God. They're everywhere. And people are dying on our watch and God expects you and I. He says, how will they know unless a preacher goes and tells them the word? There are people walking dead, carefree lifestyle. How many are living in an alternative lifestyle? That's a fancy way of saying, I want to sleep with whoever I want. They call it an alternative lifestyle. People with skewed worldviews. Everybody walking dead. But God raised up a prophet in Israel. God touched his lips. And not only that, right after that sin was consumed, right after that situation was resolved, immediately he said, here am I, send me. And not only that, Isaiah began to prophesy to the nation. He was a vessel of God's glory. And not only that, he wrote one of the most compelling chapters, which we read earlier, Isaiah 53. He read that chapter of the Messiah himself. And this is what Jesus said, who is going to go? Who is going to go in our place? What is the answer? What is the answer to that call? Praise the Lord. God wants to unleash heaven upon his people. God wants you to be his chosen vessel. But like the master craftsman, he's got to chip away some rough spots this morning. God wants to place his words in your mouth. He wants you to speak his word, and it'll be so. He wants great signs and wonders to follow his people so that the whole world will know he is with you. But you gotta come clean. In order to level up in God, you gotta come up a little higher. You gotta surrender yourself. You gotta let God point out those areas in your life. Allow him to change your fault to fate. For the blood of Christ is able to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. Any person coming into the presence of God and not changing, there's something wrong. You just can't come to the glory of God and just sit there. Because if that was the case, you would literally become a fossil in the church. And how many know that people don't respond to fossils? They don't come to church to look at somebody's butt print. Here sat Minister Joseph or or Brother Bob. or or He sat here for 30 years and, and there's a plaque on the chair. Nobody can sit there. That's his behind print on that chair. It's a fossil. Who gets saved? How does the kingdom of God grow? It doesn't. We have to get to the place Where we say, Lord, here I am, send me. We have to find a way to be used by God. Say to Jesus, here I am, send me. There's a a quote that I'll end with it says, I would never want to reach out someday with a soft, uncallous hand, a hand never dirtied by serving, and shake the nail pierced hands of jesus hallelujah when jesus comes i want him to find us with our hands at the plow hallelujah being busy like little busy ants hallelujah working hallelujah not criticizing not fighting with each other but working for the kingdom of god for the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few. So saints of God, as I close this morning, let's deal. Let's allow the Spirit of God to deal with those little issues. Listen, there may be a small holy remnant right here in this room that God has chosen for a time such as this. Are you that remnant? Are you prepared to say, I see the Lord and woe am I. Hallelujah. This little thing has to be dealt with before I move forward but once the angel of the Lord touches you you say Lord send me I'll go hallelujah saints of God ponder that this morning God bless you this morning glory to God hallelujah let's bow our heads
0: we are so grateful to God for allowing us the opportunity to share this message with you we want you to know that you are all in our constant prayers we're able to bring this message to you because of the generous support of listeners like you. If you have been blessed by today's program, why not consider partnering with us? For a love offering of any amount, we'll be happy to send you a CD copy of today's message. To make a donation is easy. Please visit us online at www.specchurch.net or you can call us at 845 342 9989. Once again, that's www.specchurch.net or 845-342-9989. We invite you to worship with us one Sunday morning soon. Thank you again for your prayers and support. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you. Welcome to the weekly podcast of Soul Purpose Evangelical Church, located in the city of Middletown, New York. Today's message will be brought to you by our senior pastor, the Reverend Albert Feliciano Sr. Each week we stream our live recorded services to encourage, build up, and edify our listening audience. Our aim is to share with you the uncompromised, infallible, and impregnable word of the living God. Our prayer is that today's message will draw you closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And now, here's our Pastor Albert with today's word.
1: Praise God. Hey morning, I believe the Lord has given me a word for this house. I'll tell you the truth, the Lord gave me this word about a month ago. I just didn't know when to release the word. But this morning, the word is entitled, I am undone from fault to fate. I am undone from fault to fate. We're going to be reading from Isaiah chapter 6, and we're going to read from verses 1 through verses 8. Amen? If you are able, hallelujah, let's stand for the reading of God's word this morning. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. When you have it, say amen. Praise the Lord. Beginning at verse number one, the word of the Lord says In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face, with two, he covered his feet, and with two, he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone. Your lips, your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and whom will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You may take your your seats this morning, saints of God. Praise the Lord, there are millions of people all over the world right now living below their full potential. Many are caught up in ruts and unchanging routines. Many feel like their lives have become barren, that they have nothing to give. There's nothing to release out of them. They try to remain active, and even when they do so, they accomplish very little, if not anything. They feel like as far as they go forward, they take double the steps backwards. What could it be that seems to be missing from the lives of the discontents? Maybe they have never come to terms with the truth of God's Word. Maybe they have never had an encounter with the presence of Almighty God. Maybe they have never experienced what true and total surrender is like. Isaiah chapter 6, we see five of the most powerful words that can ever be uttered by any person on this earth. Five life-changing, life-altering words. Five words of readiness, glory to God. Five words of full preparation, of full commitment, of full assurance. Those words, here am I, send me. These are some serious words with serious implications. That means that whoever utters these words, they are stepping up to the plate They're saying, Lord, here I am. I'm ready to be used. I want to reach my full potential. I know you have a plan for me. I know you have a great purpose for me. I know that there are souls that need to hear from you. I'm ready, Lord. Send me. I want to reach my destiny. I want to fulfill my purpose. Yet, the fact is, the sad reality is that not many Christians will ever utter those words. Because deep down, real deep down to the bone, we know what those words mean. It means total surrender, total life change, total commitment. It means forsaking others. It means selling out to God, abandoning thy own will. It means a denial of self. How about this? A denial sometimes of comfort, of convenience, A denial of safety. You might have to go into places you never thought you would step foot into. How about this? A denial of meals. Yeah, that's part of it, fasting. And we say, you know what? That's a little too much. Pastor, you're getting a little legalistic on me this morning. You see, we say things to justify our actions. I'm ready to serve God. I want the blessings of God, but I don't really want no true commitment. I really don't want all that other stuff. That's too much for me. Give it to somebody else. Let them do it. Isn't it funny that every church has a member called somebody else? (laughs) Somebody else is the most popular member in the church. Somebody else, he's the cleaner. He's the one that throws out the trash. Brother, somebody else is the one that evangelizes. Brother, somebody else goes to the hospital to pray over the sick people. Brother, somebody else is the first one at the prayer meeting. Hallelujah. Brother, somebody else is even baking cookies for the building fund. Somebody else will always be there. God wants total surrender, a capitulation, if you will, of your rights, all for the glory of God. And let me tell you, because sometimes we hear these words and you're like, oh, here we go. It's going to be one of those fire and brimstone messages this morning. But I'm telling you, this is not... A raw deal. There are benefits. There are privileges. There are great joys by completely selling out to God. Make no mistake, there are rewards. Hallelujah. Not everything is doom and gloom. But the question is, and this is where I want to focus just for a few moments. Why is it that more and more Christians are not uttering these words? Here am I. Send me, O Lord. I don't have all these talents. I I don't know how to sing. I don't know how to bake. I I don't know. But, But I do know some things. I can do this. I can do that. Send me. Take me, Lord. Whatever I have to offer. Take me. Use me. If it brings you glory, then I'll do it. First of all, we have to start out by seeing God for who he is. Glory to God. Isaiah, he said, I see the Lord. Hallelujah. How many know that Jesus Christ is God? Just in case we don't know that that's a fact. Jesus Christ is Yeshua. He is God. He is the Holy One. He is seated on his throne. He is the King of Kings. He is high and lifted up. The Bible says the train of his robe, it fills the whole temple. Glory to God. The seraphim, it's a great description. They had six wings, two to cover their feet. Two to cover their face and the other two to fly out. And they called out to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. I love what the Bible says that the doorpost shook. You know, there's a, there's a word, uh, 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 I believe it's in the Old Testament of Deuteronomy, where it said that in the temple, uh, uh, the, the temple, the tabernacle, that when God's presence came in, that the tabernacle would stretch and expand. And stretch and expand. And when the presence of God came in, the tent would come in. It was the wind of God, the breath of God, like he was breathing. And here we see the, the Lord in his throne room, the post. That means these columns are like, whoa, shaking. That's power. Hallelujah. That's power. That's glory. The whole house was filled with smoke. The light of God's glory filled this place. Just like in Mount Sinai, when Moses stood before the Lord, the mountains trembled. There was thunder and lightning, and it filled the air, and the people of Israel were terrified. Isn't it something when God shows up on the scene, terror comes in? Hallelujah. And they began to fear God. And they began to repent. And they said, listen Moses, we'll listen to you. We'll hear you. Please don't have God speak like that. We're terrified. If you speak, we'll, we'll listen. We'll listen. You see, church, Isaiah was living at a time where there was a wicked generation. Much like today. People were full of sin full of violence and sexual immorality and alcoholism and chaos and murder and all those things that we see even now in our own society. And there was a king in Israel. His name was King Uzziah. He was the hope of Israel. He came in as a young boy, 16-year-old young boy, the hope of Israel. And he did many things to follow God as he rose in power but guess what we read right at the beginning of this passage when he became a young man he got a little bit well in another passage of scripture he got a little bit prideful hallelujah how many know when pride comes in things start to change and that's a message for another day but I want to just point out one thing King Uzziah started believing his own hype he went into the temple and, and wanted to offer up sacrifice and burn incense, but he wasn't the priest. God said, I chose you to be the king, but you're not the priest. The priests do that. He says, you know what? I'm, I'm the man. I'm the man. I could do this. I'm going in and I'm going to offer up sacrifice and light up some incense. I'm, I'm going to make the place nice. And then he wouldn't receive the rebuke of the priest. And he got angry. And what happened? The Bible says leprosy started to form on his forehead. You see, when when we try to go at it our own way, God says, okay, you want to do things your way? Bam, there you go, kid. And the Bible says that he ultimately had to be banished and he died of leprosy. And so here we are in Isaiah 6. It said, King Uzziah is dead. How many know, uh, if you want to know, 2 Chronicles 26, that's where the story of Uzziah, you could read about it. But here we see King Uzziah, the hope of Israel, he's dead. Sometimes God has to remove some things so that we could turn our hope, our attention back onto him. Sometimes we place all of our hope in politicians. We save uh, 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 all of our space and our time and news and all that other stuff. And nowadays we're not getting no news. Hallelujah. Everything is fake anyway. There's not a man alive. There's not a woman alive that's going to cure the ills of this world. It's only Jesus Christ. But God sometimes has to remove those things that we're clinging on to. So that we could redirect, turn to your neighbor, and say, redirect, hallelujah, redirect our attention back on to God. Isaiah saw a vision of God in all of his holiness, in all of His majesty, in all of his great splendor. And guess what happened? Something immediately took place. He began to recognize his own humanity. He recognized the purity, the holiness of God, the power of God. And then he looked upon himself and recognized his nakedness. He was spiritually naked. He had been confronted with his own sin. Yes, Isaiah the prophet, the mighty prophet of God, who was used to share the word of the Lord. You read Isaiah 1 through 6. He was blasting people. Mighty man of God. And here he's fallen before the presence of God and saying, woe unto me. I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in a land of people with unclean lips. In other words, he was saying, I'm history. I'm toast. I'm done. You think of this word undone. What is the true meaning of the word undone. The Hebrew word is, is dama or dama. It means that it's basically I have sinned. I have sinned before God. And then Isaiah says, I'm in a land with people of unclean lips. Listen, He was in a land where people were talking nonsense all the play all around him. And how many know that when you linger around an environment too long, that stuff starts to cling on to you? Hallelujah. How many know that with your little associations, little boyfriends, little girlfriends, you start picking up traits, picking up little things? If you hang around someone who's always dropping F-bombs, next thing you know, you go to your house and you're like, boop, beep. And everybody says, huh? That's not like you. I've never heard that word come out. Ooh, sorry. My bad. My bad. And then uh, five minutes later, boom, another F-bomb. Why? Because that association has connected itself. It has attached itself to you. That's why we need to be mindful of the company that we keep. We need to be mindful of the things that we see, the things that we hear, and allow our gates to be covered in a sense. He says, I am in a place full of people with unclean lips and therefore I have my own lips unclean. The Bible says that the tongue is one of the smallest parts of our body, but it is a world of fire. Hallelujah. Who can bridle their own tongue? Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And when you read that verse, it means the hand of the tongue. The actual translation, the hand of the tongue. In other words, the tongue, the Greek word for that, the translation is the hand of the tongue. In other words, it creates. The tongue has the power of life and death. So we got to be careful. I've said this a hundred times. If you've been in this church, you've heard it a hundred. Guess what today you hear it a hundred and one times. Hallelujah, till it sticks. But we say, this headache is killing me. And we wonder why the headache won't go away. My back is killing me. And we wonder why we, don't, we still have a back problem. When we profess words, negative words, then we're giving authority, uh, 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 permission for the enemy to wreak havoc on our life. Oh, I know, I'll never get another job. This job sucks. They hate me here, but I got nowhere else to go. I know I'm not going anywhere. Guess what? You ain't going anywhere. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And we got to start professing life. Maybe this job ain't good right now, but you know what? God has something better for me. God's going to open up the doors for me. My kids are coming back to the Lord. Mark my words. My house will be saved. My children will be set free. My church is going to move into a new building. Hallelujah. We got to start professing the word of the Lord and start believing what we're saying. Hallelujah. James. It says the world, the, the, the tongue is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. We've got to be able to tame the tongue this morning. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, I hope he ain't talking about you. Praise God. Last week, last week we were talking about the presence of God. Many of our sisters were in a, a retreat weekend. Hallelujah. Getting filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. You guys came back glowing in the dark. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I didn't need to see no Star Wars movie, praise God. There was Star Wars in the parking lot, glory to God. But while you were away, we too were seeking out the word of the Lord and we were talking about the presence of God. David, uh, in Psalm 16, David was able to abide in the presence of God because he learned to set the Lord always before him. He learned to trust in God no matter what. He learned to obey God, to surrender to him. David learned that he was mortal, that he was human, and that there was nothing good in him. David said, my goodness is nothing apart from you. David said that in God's presence, there is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. Hallelujah. But I'm going to take it a little bit further this morning. I'll tell you, but wait, there's more. Hallelujah. You know what else is in God's presence? There is a great recognition of our mortality, of our humanity, of our sin. We don't want to talk about it. It's not a fun subject to engage in. But the reality is it's something we all have to deal with. If I don't tell you, I'll be guilty. The Bible says in Ezekiel 33, if I give you a word to share and you don't share it, you are guilty of their blood. I can imagine those that lost their lives yesterday in that heinous shooting. Did they hear the word of the Lord? Was there someone in their circle that that shared the living word of God with them? Did they respond accordingly? Did they receive Christ? Or did they say, you know what? I still got time. I'm not ready for all this Jesus stuff. Baby Christians. They come to Christ initially and many times they they don't even realize what they're doing wrong. You'll hear them say, I I, I didn't realize I did that thing or I I didn't know that was wrong. Or they might say, God understands if I party a little bit on the weekend, he's not going to send me to hell, would he? He can't expect me to change so quickly, right? The reality is when the Holy Spirit starts to work on your heart You can't enjoy those things of the world anymore. You can't go out anymore and find the enjoyment you used to find when you were living in sin. Because now there's a whole different set of circumstances. You go out and you try to party like you used to. And what used to fulfill you, what used to satisfy you, what used to give you joy and pleasure, now it actually irritates you. It bothers you. It may even make you sick. And you say, why is it? Why can't I have fun? Every one of my friends are having a great time. And here I am, miserable. Why? Because you've been blood brought by the blood of Christ. Hallelujah. You belong to Jesus. You'll never be the same again. Never. The Holy Spirit begins to work on your heart. And like a doctor, he starts to point out little things that need to change, little things that need to be surrendered. He'll poke and prod and say, does that hurt? Did that hurt here? Does that bother you? Does that hurt? Yep, that's an area. We got to work on that. That's a little thing that, that I see. I, I got to work that out. We got to give that thing up. Hallelujah. But don't worry, I have something better for you. You see, we've got to enter into a partnership with God. We've got to enter into a partnership with God. When we are in God's presence, truly in his presence, there is never a simple or a vague sense of sin. God's holiness will demand change. It will demand excellence. He says, be holy for I am holy. If we see God in his glorious presence and we refuse to change... It's a flawed condition in our character. Our character will determine whether or not truth can even be revealed to us. We can't say, I see the Lord and come out unscathed. We can't say, I see the Lord and come out unchanged. We can't say, I see the Lord and come out untouched. Initially, we come to Christ with our own perspective, our intellect, our will, our emotions, and even our own preconceived biases. But we're very careful not to go too deep into the things of God, too deep into the realm of the spirit, because we know what it means. It means we're going to have to change. I said last week uh, to, the, to the people that were with us at church I said, one thing I've learned in my walk with God, and let me tell you, I've been through everything. I've played church. I sold drugs to the youth. We used to get high on the building and go to Sunday school high. I had no fear of God. I'm not ashamed to say that. I'm saying it to point out my own flaws. You might think this pastor has a great call, great anointing. You don't know the cost. You don't know what I've had to endure, the many mistakes I've had made in my life. The many failures as a father, the many failures as a friend, the many failures as a husband. You don't know how many times I've had to go before my children and say, I need your forgiveness. I'm flawed. I've made mistakes. But for the grace of God, I could stand before you today, hallelujah, and share his holy word. But I was saying last week, the closer I feel like I, I get to God, the closer I feel I connect with God, the farther away I feel and I know that sounds like an oxymoron statement but it's not because the closer I get to God the closer I get to his presence I'm like Isaiah woe unto me I am undone I'm a man of unclean lips I start to recognize my dirt I start to recognize my faults my my flaws you guys may not see certain things but I see it I know it's there And I've got to surrender it to the cross. Many of us, we see the light of God, but we're careful not to go too deep. We don't want no exposure because light uh, uh, reveals uh, uh, the, the little things. Hallelujah. How many know? I don't know if you had it, but I did. When we were little kids, I didn't know I was poor. I thought everybody had cockroaches in their house. But every time we came home from church and we turn on the lights, cockroaches flying out everywhere, hiding under the toaster oven and everywhere they could find. Because the light exposes things. You can't walk into a room as a child of God and people around you are still dropping F-bombs and talking about perverted jokes and all that. Something is wrong with the light if when you walk in the room, people don't know God's presence is in the room. Even at work, you'll be at the water cooler getting some water on your lunch break. And people are telling dirty jokes and you walk in, they're like, shh, shh, shh. You're like, my bad, I'm just getting some water. Peace out, have a blessed day, God bless you. Something happens when the light shines in the darkness. Praise God. People can't take the light. Look at what Jesus said in John 3. It said, And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and the men love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. Ah, but look at this. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. I'll take it further. James 1, 23, 24 says, If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Let me uh, give you a little illustration. Because people sometimes hear this passage and they don't think it really makes sense. Who can look in a mirror and walk away and forget their reflection? Who can look in a mirror and forget who he was? That doesn't make no sense. Well, guess what, saints of God? We do that. Every single week, I'm going to prove it to you. How many know that a mirror reveals truth? All right, maybe I'm the only one that sees uh, 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 jelly rolls. Hallelujah. When I take a shower. Hallelujah. I'm not, let's, let's get real. Hallelujah. Can I keep it real in this place? Hallelujah. How many ain't scared this morning? As far as I know, we don't got no models in here. Hallelujah, right? Praise God. We all got blemishes. We all have flaws. All you got to do is look at the mirror. The flaws will tell you the truth. This is why people get weaves and people get nails and and people do all different types of things, right? Guys, we try to hide it. We get girdles. Let's do We get those shirts that that are like, you got to have like a a, a rope or somebody pull a rope to tighten up the belly, right? Because we all want to look better. We want to be perceived as having it all together. but, But there are flaws. God's word is a mirror. The holy word of God is a mirror. And God's word points out. Our greatest flaws, it shows us the deep down truth and we look at it and we stare at it and then we walk away forgetting what the word of God was pointing out to us in the very first place. We walk away and do absolutely nothing to change what the word of God was trying to tell us to change. And then we walk away forgetting what we saw. We do this Every week. Let me tell you a true statement. We cannot walk with God and call ourselves Christians and hold hands with the devil. It's either all or nothing. We can't be a Christian on Sunday and then party hardy on on the weekends or on the week. Hallelujah. Going and hanging out and doing all these crazy things and and forgetting all about God. It's either all or nothing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why not come to the house of God and party in God's house? Glory to God. Amen. But let me tell you, once we mature, once we start to experience the move of the Holy Spirit in our heart, once we start to experience the changes, and once we start surrendering ourself, and we choose to enter in, we're confronted with the painful truth. And we start to see, man... This little thing, it has to stop. This little habit that I have. This little thing that I do on the side when nobody's watching. This little thing that I look at when my wife goes to work. This little thing that I look at on my computer. This little phone number that I got in my little secret phone spot. This little thing, I got to get rid of this thing because it's impeding my progress. It's impeding my relationship with God. How many know that God loves you too much to leave you the same way that you came to him with? And when we're in God's presence, we discover that God will make some changes in our life. When we come face to face with God, he's going to point out our most direct sin. We're not going to be able to get away with it. Hallelujah. We're not going to be able to get away with it. God will draw our attention to it. And once we recognize it, we're going to have to deal with it. And like Isaiah, we're going to say, whoa, unto me I am undone. We're going to have to ask uh, uh, God to throw ourselves at the mercy of his court. And that means the word conviction. We're going to feel so convicted. It's a sure indication that you are in the presence of God when you experience the conviction of the Lord. We heard later that the angels cry, holy, holy, holy. You know why they cry holy? Because God is holy, holy, holy. And guess what? We come in oftentimes dirty, dirty, dirty. That's the truth. We need to be purified. And don't think I'm saying something strange. Even your mom, your your, your dad, uh, with little kids in the house, when they come back from playing football, what do the parents say? Go wash your hands. Go wash your face. Don't come to the dinner table all dirty. You're going to come to the table, wash up before we eat. Amen? Amen. Praise God. We see the glory of God. We come before his presence. Isaiah realized who God was, how unclean and unworthy he was. And many Christians too, we come before the presence of God and we really don't understand how far off we are. There was a great quote that I read this week from a guy named Charles C. Morrison. It says, the church is a society of sinners, the only society in the world in which membership is based upon the single qualification that the candidate shall be unworthy of membership. Hallelujah. You could turn to your neighbor and say, yeah, he's definitely talking about me right now. Hallelujah. Definitely. The best Christians are the ones who are most aware of how unworthy they are. The ones that don't look down on other Christians because they don't see themselves as being high and lifted up. Thank you, brother. That's why Paul said in 1 Timothy 1.5, he says, Jesus Christ came to the world to save sinners of who I am the worst. We must recognize that our sin is here, And we have to deal with it. And in order to deal with it, hallelujah, we have to get before the truth of God. And then the work can begin. Until we're ready to face that evil side of us, until we're ready to face the sin that entangles us, we can't move forward in the things of God. It's just that simple. Many might be sitting here today saying, I wonder why I don't have that anointing, that sister so-and-so, that brother so-and-so. I wonder why things don't work out for me. Every time I pray, something is wrong. You know, what's happening is there's still something in that has to be dealt with. The Bible says, repent therefore. That simply means change. Change. Come to Christ. Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing will come in the presence of the Lord. I think of the, the bounty commercial. I don't know if you, if you remember bounty. It's the quicker, picker, upper. Hallelujah. They showed a commercial with the kids with spilled milk, and the mother would come out and say, don't worry, and wipe it all down. How many know that God is like the quicker, picker, upper? You come to him with your mess. He said, I got you. Wipe it all down. God will never point out a sin that you're dealing with and then leave you with it. Hallelujah. Look at the beauty of God. As as Isaiah said, I'm a man of unclean lips surrounded by people of unclean lips. He saw himself not like the people saw him. But he saw himself the real deal. He didn't fake it. Hallelujah. Uh, Isaiah experienced an old-fashioned conviction an a old-fashioned service. The Bible says that we're, so, we're supposed to examine ourselves and see how we are in our faith. 2 Corinthians thirteen five. Examine yourself. See if you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. Listen closely. And I'm trying to get to my close. This is my first close. Hallelujah. Have you excused your sins before God? What I mean by that is, are you living the same way as you did before you came to him? Have you been comparing yourself to others so that your sins would look better? Do you say, well, at least I'm not that bad. This person over here is cheating on their husband. I ain't that bad. I only get my drink on on the weekend. Do we compare our level of sin to each other so we feel better about not doing certain things? The Bible says that we must confess our sin before God and then be made clean. 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let me tell you, you've probably heard this, but... For those that haven't, I'm going to repeat it. I have a little illustration that I use, but it's a really good one. There's a kid that wants to go to the movies. And his father, he looks at him and says, Dad, I I went and checked the the reviews, and apparently this is an R-rated movie. But it only has two F-bombs, and it's got one sex scene, and that's it. The rest of the the movie is perfect. The father says, I got an idea. i tell you what. I'm going to make a little batch of brownies. And if you could eat these brownies and eat them all up, I'll let you go with your friends to the movies tonight. The kid's like, got it. Perfect. The father goes and, yeah, there there are men that know how to bake. I ain't one of those men. Hallelujah. The father goes and bakes, uh, gets the batch together. But before he puts it in the oven, there's one little thing he does. He goes to the backyard and he takes one little poop from the family dog just one a little tiny little piece and he brings it back in and throws it into the batter and shakes it all around and then he goes and puts walnuts on it because that's what I like on my brownies hallelujah and he puts you know powdered sugar hallelujah some whipped cream he bakes it it comes out and it smells delicious and it looks wonderful. It looks appetizing. And here they are, nice and hot and steamy. He puts a little glass of milk, because I like milk, hallelujah. He puts a little glass of milk on the side, and he says, guess what I got for you? All you got to do is finish these brownies. The kid is like, bet, let's go. He goes, wait a minute. One little thing I got to tell you. One little caveat. I have to make a clear distinction so you are aware I took one little piece of poop and I threw it in the batter. But don't worry because it's just a little bit and it's not, you probably won't even taste it. Don't worry. It's all good. But if you could eat this, then go ahead. Go to the movies and have a great time with your friends. The kid looked at him and said, all right, dad, I ain't going nowhere. All right, all right. And went back into his room. Listen, sin even a little bit of sin. You could dress it up. You could put perfume on it. You could put whipped cream on it. You could put some lipstick and earrings on it. Sin is sin. Nobody's going to deal with it. God don't want to deal with it. It stinks. It is a stench in his nostrils. And even when we think, well, there's only a little bit compared to everybody else. I don't have all that craziness, uh, that baggage. I just got this little thing I'm dealing with. Well, that little thing needs to be surrendered to the cross. Needs to be laid down at the feet of the cross. But I said earlier, God will give his angel charge over thee. God's not going to point something out and then not deal with it. God dealt with the problem immediately. Isaiah said, I'm a man of unclean lips. And once he recognized it, the Bible says that God sent his angel Gave him charge took a coal from the altar and touched Isaiah's lip. The very thing that Isaiah said, I've got an issue with this. I'm a man of unclean lips. Immediately that recognition caused an angel of the Lord to pick up the tongue and deal with that sin. He says, your iniquity is taken away. Your sin is purged. Hallelujah, the cleansing fire of God came down and consumed that thing right on the spot. The fire of God was applied. How many know that fire consumes? And God's fire needs to come in and consume everything. There's a verse in Proverbs that says fire is never satisfied. It will burn until there's nothing left to burn. And sometimes the fire of God has to come in and burn some stuff out of his people. We're not like the world. Our final point. Why does God point out our sin? It's a very simple answer. So that we can then come to the place where we could say, Here am I, Lord, send me. How many know that you are God's plan A and there is no plan B? God has chosen you, hallelujah, to do His work, to, to, to spread His word amongst the land. And God has great plans for everybody in this room, great things in store, but there's great work that needs to be done. We need to see. The world, the way God sees the world, hallelujah. There are lost lambs everywhere. There are lost people everywhere. Glory to God, hallelujah. They're going to be lost on this screen, hallelujah, popping up, hallelujah. But the lost people, there they go, praise God. They're everywhere. And people are dying on our watch. And God expects you and I, he says, how will they know unless a preacher goes and tells them the word? There are people walking dead, carefree lifestyle. How many are living in an alternative lifestyle? That's a fancy way of saying, I want to sleep with whoever I want. They call it an alternative lifestyle. People with skewed worldviews. Everybody walking dead. But God raised up a prophet in Israel. God touched his lips. And not only that, right after that sin was consumed, right after that situation was resolved, immediately he said, here am I, send me. And not only that, Isaiah began to prophesy to the nation. He was a vessel of God's glory. And not only that, he wrote one of the most compelling chapters, which we read earlier, Isaiah 53. He read that chapter of the Messiah himself, And this is what Jesus said, who is going to go? Who is going to go in our place? What is the answer? What is the answer to that call? Praise the Lord. God wants to unleash heaven upon his people. God wants you to be his chosen vessel. But like the master craftsman, he's got to chip away some rough spots this morning. God wants to place his words in your mouth. He wants you to speak his word, and it'll be so. He wants great signs and wonders to follow his people so that the whole world will know he is with you. But you gotta come clean. In order to level up in God, you gotta come up a little higher. You gotta surrender yourself. You gotta let God point out those areas in your life. Allow him to change your fault to fate. For the blood of Christ is able to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. Any person coming into the presence of God and not changing, there's something wrong. You just can't come to the glory of God and just sit there. Because if that was the case, you would literally become a fossil in the church. And how many know that people don't respond to fossils? They don't come to church to look at somebody's butt print. Here sat Minister Joseph or or Brother Bob. or or He sat here for 30 years and, and there's a plaque on the chair. Nobody can sit there. That's his behind print on that chair. It's a fossil. Who gets saved? How does the kingdom of God grow? It doesn't. We have to get to the place where we say, Lord, here I am, send me. We have to find a way to be used by God. Say to Jesus, here I am, send me. There's a, a quote that I'll end with. It says, I would never want to reach out someday with a soft, uncallous hand, a hand never dirtied by serving, and shake the nail-pierced hands of Jesus. Hallelujah. When Jesus comes, I want him to find us with our hands at the plow. Hallelujah. Being busy, like little busy ants. Hallelujah. Working. Hallelujah. Not criticizing, not fighting with each other, but working for the kingdom of God. For the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So saints of God, as I close this morning, let's deal Let's allow the Spirit of God to deal with those little issues. Listen, there may be a small holy remnant right here in this room that God has chosen for a time such as this. Are you that remnant? Are you prepared to say, I see the Lord and woe am I. Hallelujah. This little thing has to be dealt with before I move forward. But once the angel of the Lord touches you, you say, Lord, send me. I'll go. Hallelujah. Saints of God, ponder that this morning. God bless you this morning. Glory to God. Hallelujah, let's bow our heads.
0: We are so grateful to God for allowing us the opportunity to share this message with you. We want you to know that you are all in our constant prayers. We're able to bring this message to you because of the generous support of listeners like you. If you have been blessed by today's program, why not consider partnering with us? For a love offering of any amount, we'll be happy to send you a CD copy of today's message. To make a donation is easy. Please visit us online at www.specchurch.net or you can call us at 845-342-9989. Once again, that's www.specchurch.net or We invite you to worship with us one Sunday morning soon. Thank you again for your prayers and support. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you.